When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Spicier Than Therapy with Twin and Tear, the show where we discuss polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, communication, kink, neurodiversity, and all the wonderful things that we think go into establishing and maintaining a healthy relationship. I'm Twin Peaks. And I am Tear. Twin, what are we going to do on today's episode? The same thing we do every day, my love. Try to take over the interwebs. I mean, it's kind of our main thing. It's what we do. True story. But welcome back. Hopefully you caught last week's episode on polyamory, where we defined what polyamory and ethical non-monogamy is, and the different types of polyamory. We are going to be continuing that conversation on today's episode, talking about toxic polyamory. But before we jump into it, just a quick shout out that you can find both Twin and I on Instagram and TikTok. Twin is at Twin Peaks, all one word, and I am at Tear Doesn't TikTok and at Tear Doesn't IG, respectively. Also, you can now find our podcast on every major podcasting platform. That's Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, or even on uh, Audible now, Twin. Yeah, so big shout out to Anchor for making that possible for us. So since we covered all of those things on polyamory in last week's episode, we wanted to pay special attention to toxic polyamory to help you avoid some of the most common pitfalls that we see in the polyamorous community. Twin, what is toxic polyamory? So we, and I want to stress that we, this is our definition, consider toxic polyamory to be behaviors or unhealthy relationship traits uh, within a polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous dynamic, which could affect all or part of a polycule. And uh, just to refresh you guys, um, we, again, us, we are defining and clarifying ethical non-monogamy and polyamory as two separate things um, with ethically not ethical non-monogamy pertaining more to or applying more to like swinging kind of relationships or casual sexual relationships uh, versus polyamory itself being more about like the actual romantic version of ethical non-monogamy. Absolutely. Uh, polyamory being under the umbrella term of ethical non-monogamy. And like Twin said, really a focus on love and relationships. And I think for both of us, that's really what sets the two things apart is that emphasis on love and positive healthy relationships. So now that we have defined toxic polyamory, we kind of want to jump into, you know, how it presents itself. But one of the things I wanted to do before we get into that was just say, you know, we've both been in the polyamory community a number of years, and we see these things pop up. 
just like with any relationship, whether it be friendly, um, you know, uh, romantic or relational in nature, things can go awry. People have unhealthy traits within those relationships, and we want to help you navigate those so you don't go through some of the pitfalls either we ourselves went through or we saw someone else go through. Well, and hopefully we are more specifically helping you avoid some of these pitfalls or some of the red flags that are very often part of, unfortunately, very often part of the uh, non-monogamous community, we'll say. Absolutely. So let's jump into toxic or unhealthy polyamory. Twin, give us an example of either one of the behaviors or traits within a relationship that you consider unhealthy or toxic. Or people who attempt to fix their relationships by turning to non-monogamy. Um, one of the partners is, you know, typically not getting their needs met, whether it's emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever. Their needs are not being met by their other partner. And so this otherwise monogamous couple decide, you know what? Let's try. We'll see. Let's spice it up. Let's see if maybe we can excite things a little bit by, you know, introducing this third person into our relationship. I will scream from the rooftops until the day I die that that will never work. Ever. Because it's a way of avoiding the actual problems within the relationships by then making the problem someone else's problem. And guess what? That does not solve anything ever at all. It's akin to me to the people that like get a puppy or talk about having a kid um, to fix their problems in their relationship. It is not the band-aid. It is not the way to fix a relationship. And so as people are approaching us to talk about, well, you know, we're having problems and we think we want to see each other outside of the relationship, but now we're going to try polyamory. We actually highly highly recommend against that because of some of the issues that twin was going over and um, one of the things about this people that are trying to utilize poly to fix a broken relationship we see this more often in male female relationships than we would see in in same sex or envy relationships almost exclusively a uh, male female and it, from my perspective this is almost exclusively like a male female problem uh relationships on top of you know trying to fix their relationship for whatever reason, they're also sometimes using poly as a way to get around cheating on their partner because, you know, again, needs aren't being met, sexual, emotional, mental, whatever they may be. So instead of cheating, one partner, both partners, whomever will just say, you know what, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's do this. Let's, let's try non-monogamy. Because I'm bored and I don't want to have sex with you. And this is the unspoken layer to that, right? Is I'm bored. I don't want to have sex with you. I'm unhappy. This isn't fulfilling. This relationship is not fulfilling me and my needs. So I'm going to go seek them elsewhere with another person in hopes that that will fix this relationship. And it almost never does. And we see this so often. You know, we hear so many horror stories of people that, you know, oh, my partner tried poly, we were trying poly, and they just ended up cheating on me and da 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 da. Y'all, I will scream from the rooftops again. I do not like cheaters. I have been a cheater. I have cheated in relationships, full disclosure. I don't like cheaters. I 
don't approve of cheating and poly and non-monogamy are not cheating because the main portion of poly and non-monogamy are communication. If you are not communicating what's happening with everybody involved, you are cheating. And that is a wonderful point. So many of the questions we get on our TikTok lives and some of the videos on Instagram is, well, isn't polyamory just cheating? No. If you want to be a cheater, I mean, first off, don't. But if you want to go out and just have a whole bunch of sex, go out and do that. That doesn't make you polyamorous any more than polyamory is equating to just being, you know, super sexually active or cheating. It's not one in the same at all. And we get that so often. And we end up having to do a lot of educational lives and videos just to explain that to folks because the, the narrative that has been put out there is, oh, polyamory is just cheating. No, no, it's not. And in fact, when we talked about in the previous episode, it doesn't even have to be sexual in nature. You can have polyamorous relationships that do not have a sexual component. It could be, but you can also have them without as well. Of course. I mean, we we know several, we know of, I should say, we know of several relationships and there are several on TikTok that, you know, they they may not be inherently sexual, but the partners, the individual partners, the individual relationships, you know, they get, I always say get their yayas. Um, they get their needs met by these other relationships and there's nothing wrong. Let me clarify something from what I was saying a second ago. There is nothing wrong with needing to utilize somebody else to meet your needs that your first partner may not be meeting. That's okay. As long as you are communicating to your first partner, Hey, I have XYZ need. It isn't being fulfilled by you. Are you comfortable with me going elsewhere to someone else to get that need met? You know, quick, 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 quick case in point, tier is a hard dom. I am a sub, but I do not enjoy the um, sort of impact play that he enjoys. And so to help ensure that his needs in that field are met, I have no problem if he goes to a toxic polyamory is pie. It is pie. It is that mindset of uh, I'm having a lack of something. Um, but to, to go back to what you were saying, and I think this is such a wonderful point. It is unrealistic, in my opinion, to ask one single person to meet every need that you have. It's just an unrealistic request. And, you know, to have your partner, your main partner, whether you're monogamous or polyamorous, try to serve every need that you have is going to create friction and is going to create issues within the relationship. And that is the wonderful part about polyamory. If you feel those feelings of love and affection for others, you are free to express that in whatever form that takes. Again, it doesn't have to be sexual. And part of that, when you're talking about getting your needs met, is what if you just want someone to have long conversations with at two in the morning and your partner is a morning person that always goes to sleep early and wakes up early and you're like, damn it, I just want somebody to talk to me at 2 a.m. over a beer. And you have that close personal friendship with someone else who can fill that need. That can also be a type of polyamory. You have run into unicorn hunters and oh, good God, they are the most obnoxious 
toxic, nauseating, awful sorts of people. I am just gonna, I full stop, full stop. I'm just gonna say it. If you are unicorn hunters and you are utilizing dating apps and websites and such, I don't like you. Full send. <laughs> that's just that's just it. I'm not bitter. It's fine. Quinn with some strong thoughts on unicorn hunters. And now we're going to go back and actually define what a <laughs> unicorn hunter is. But, but a quick question. Have dating apps really been online for 15 years? That seemed like a long time for me. I mean, they've definitely been on for at least 10. Okay. All right. Well. Color me surprised. All right. Twin back with the unicorn hunting definition. Okay. So unicorn hunters, evil, noxious gremlins that they are. Unicorn hunters are typically male, female couples that are looking to spice up their relationship with a third, whether it's for a good time, whether it's for a birthday, whether they want an actual relationship, whatever. They are almost always toxic because one of the main flaws to unicorn hunting that is most often lamented by said unicorns um, is the fact that unicorn hunters, uh, for, let me let me just say, unicorns, by the way, is a term used in the non-monogamous community used to refer to a third partner, typically a queer woman for a straight couple or straight-ish couple, right? That said, those couples are almost always looking to fix their relationship, which as we've said already, is not gonna work. And just a quick little caveat, we're not talking about triads here. Now, triads are well-established within the community and it is an agreed-upon form of polyamory. So this is not a triad that we're talking about. Right, exactly. So, you know, that said, unicorn hunters can sometimes be, you know, God love them. They probably are. They may think that they want to try a triad and sometimes that works. But the problem comes in with a lot of these couples where they are looking for, again, like a good time or they're looking for a girlfriend for her because the husband doesn't want her to sleep. Well, I'm going to just say your husband and wife. We'll just refer to it that way. Um, the husband doesn't want the wife sleeping with another man but she's not satisfied with her man. So instead of allowing her the freedom to sleep with another man, oh, we'll just get up, we'll just get another girl um, to sleep with my wife because, you know, that's not a threat to our relationship, which is a whole levels of homophobic. Um, but I'm not even going to get into that right now because we will, we'll, we'll touch on that later. Or they're, you know, like I said, looking for a good time, which if that's the case, hire a sex worker, hire a full service provider. Don't target women who are otherwise looking for, you know, a relationship with whomever, you know, whatever they may be, because so many times the problem with unicorn hunters is that they delegitimize the actual notion of poly relationships much less homosexual female relationships. Um, they discard and, you know, devalue those relationships. And more often than not, they just lead to hurt feelings all around, not only for the couple, but for this, you know, again, typically young woman who gets dragged into this couple's problems, who now has to deal with all of the hurt feelings 
of getting caught up in the shit show and then typically discarded and thrown away. And it's just not fair to that third person. And unicorn hunters are inherently predatory in their approach. I mean, as Twin was saying, not only does it disregard, you know, the legitimacy of the relationship, but it's also a sort of power move and control that is unhealthy in any relationship, much less a polyamorous relationship. Look, we as people are all unique individuals with our own wants and needs and thoughts and dreams and all that stuff. And forcing your partner or dictating to your partner what they can and cannot do, who they can and cannot love, who they can and cannot express affection to is control, is manipulation. Right. The second that you start telling your partner how to love you've limited how you can receive love 100 percent, 100 percent agree there and this is why unicorn hunters are so kind of you know ridiculed within the polyamorous community now that's going to be different in the swinging community where it means something very very different and again swinging is a type of ethical non-monogamy but it's not the same as polyamory either we're talking about poly specifically here now kind of getting us back on track here because we have a lot of unhealthy uh, behaviors and traits um, that contribute to toxic polyamory. The next one that I want us to talk about is just poor communication. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, again, something that we will talk about forever and ever and stress to everyone every single time is communication is key in any kind of non-monogamous relationship, if you can't be honest with yourself about what you need, want, value, then how do you expect to be honest with somebody else? And how can you expect someone else to be honest with you? You have to be able and willing to communicate those needs. You have to be able to pay attention to yourself, to value yourself enough to want to communicate what you need. And if you can't, you should not be in a poly relationship. Or even a regular relationship. I mean, communication is paramount in any sort of relationship, even if we're just talking about a friendship or a relationship with a family member. But it is particularly important when you're navigating multiple relationships at a time and you're talking about someone's, you know, mental health, mental well-being, emotional well-being, uh, not, not only their physical, uh, it's all of these things. So if you cannot communicate consistently and effectively and honestly, you shouldn't be in any relationship, in my opinion. Well, we're painting with some broad strokes here too, but you know, I mean, you, <laughs> you need to have your relationships and it's important to, you know, be in relationships, whether or not you're, you know, romantic, sexual, whatever, but you know, communication is, is key. I will paint with those broad brush strokes until people start communicating better. <laughs> Tell us how you feel, damn it. Well, I mean, communication is hard for everybody, so take it easy there, bud. Uh, but speaking of communication, that does lead us to our next point and my story time. Um, because here we go with uh, another side effect, I'll say, of unicorn hunting or toxic non-monogamy. Ooh, now I'm interested. All right, so story time. So one of the other very toxic traits 
that we see a lot. And that actually recently went kind of viral on TikTok and caught a lot of heat was non-monogamous people going on to said dating, aforementioned dating apps and sites and such like that. And for some reason, thinking it's a good idea not to disclose that they are non-monogamous. Y'all, that is lying. You are lying by omission. And if that is how you start your relationship, you already done fucked up. I hate to break it to you. When I first moved here to where we live now, I was dating around, you know, as one does, because fuck it, why not? And I started talking to this one guy and he seemed very cool and very nerdy and loves outdoors. And we were having a great time, hit off really well. It's fantastic. And I need to add that in my dating profile, I specifically stated that I am polyamorous, but not looking to be anybody's meta. I am not looking to anybody's unicorn. I did not want to fool around with being a third. None of that. I am a head bitch and head bitch in charge only. Okay. That's, that's just me. So that said, I start talking to this guy. We hit it off. We agree to a date. We go out to said date and we just met at Starbucks, you know, cause always meet in public ladies. And lo and behold, in the course of our conversation, he reveals that he is married. And I just, I could not, uh, the gall, the audacity. Really? Excuse me? Absolutely not. And I just remember one of the subsequent conversations we had after that, because we, you know, proceeded to stay friendly and chat, you know, and everything. And I distinctly remember telling him, you do understand that this is never going to go anywhere romantic, right? Like this is, this is never going to become a physical, emotional, anything. We can be friendly. We can chat. I don't mind. Hell, I'll go camping with you. But this will never be anything more than a platonic relationship. And he was shocked. So was this man polyamorous and looking to add a third? Was he going through a divorce? What was happening there? Oh, thank you for clarifying. No, he was married happily quote unquote married but just wanted a third he wanted a meta for his wife he he wanted a, a girlfriend and did his wife know about this did she know he was out there searching for a third for her supposedly she knew um i never actually confirmed with her and that was another reason why i specifically told him that this is never going to be anything more i was like i'm not dating you we are not doing anything at all like this is like we can meet at a starbucks we can go grab a beer at a bar you know i don't mind doing that um because those are perfectly platonic situations for me you know like i can i would consider them platonic relationship kind of situations um i have a different standard i know than a lot of people i am never going to do anything physical or even emotional like intimate emotionally intimate with anybody unless the wife is present and I know, and I talk to her and we have that communication and that understanding amongst everybody involved because again, communication is key. So yeah. So he was shocked when I told him, no, we're not doing anything. No, this will never be anything more than platonic. And he couldn't understand that at first. And I had to break down to this man who's older than me, by the way, had to break down to this man, dude, you did not tell me you were married 
until after we were already out on our first date. What I understood to be our first date, that was when you decided to reveal that you were married, which, okay, fine. That's cool. Except it's not. Uh, that's entrapment and is not cute. And we don't like that. We do not know. No, 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 baby. No. Did you say entrapment or entrampment? Because both of those fucking work. <laughs> you know what? We're creating a new word. He's he he entramped me. Because, you know, fuck it, why not? Uh, but yeah, no, I was I was not amused. And so and and the fact that I had to explain to him why the the not revealing you're married like i didn't understand like i've ran into unicorn hunters many a time in my life this was the first time i had ever run into somebody specifically not revealing they were married and i asked him even while we were on the date i was like why didn't you mention this in your bio or even in the conversations that we had leading up to this date why didn't you this would have been an entirely different scenario i wouldn't even be here and why didn't you reveal that information to me? So that's like a combination of two of the ones we just talked about. Not only poor communication, but poly people not revealing that they're poly. He like took the cake with two of those toxic behaviors or traits. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is something that we see and hear about a lot. And it's so gross. You guys don't don't be that person like this is why polyamory and non-monogamy gets such a bad rap is because of these kinds of behaviors. Like that is gross. I mean, like imagine if I were, you know, somebody who didn't care that he was married, who didn't care, you know, like that leads to, again, somebody else's pain. Like somebody else is now going to be hurt potentially and I just, I, I can't even fathom, again, like the audacity that it takes to just say, you know what, fuck it, I don't care. I'm just going to lure you into this date thinking that I'm a single person and I'm not. And this is a wonderful segue into actually the next toxic polyamory trait that we see, which is poly people trying to change monogamous people. It's almost the flip side of what we were just talking about, you know, kind of that two sides of the same coin. And we don't see this as often as we see, you know, the unicorn hunters or people not revealing that they're poly. But I hear it often in a lot of the questions we get on Discord, some of the feedback we get on TikTok, which is, you know, my husband is poly or I'm poly and my partner um, is, is monogamous. And I want to try to turn them in to, you know, someone who practices polyamory. Look, polyamory is not for everybody. And that's okay that it's not for everybody. You shouldn't try and change your partner. You want your partner to be uniquely and unequivocally themselves. Now that said, it is entirely possible for one person to be poly and one person to be monogamous within a relationship. I mean, obviously, but at the end of the day, those kinds of relationships are very, very, very dicey. Uh, I know I've been in one. And unfortunately, I had kind of the opposite uh, sort of um, situation where my monogamous partner was trying to control and set their own boundaries on how I could be poly, which is just not a healthy situation either. 
Now, did your partner at the time know you were Polly when you guys got into a relationship? Oh, yeah. Uh, we'd been friends for years, and they had known that I was Polly with my previous partner uh, before them. And then we had talked about it going into our relationship that I was polyamorous and that, you know, I was, I always refer to myself as a bit of a stray cat. Like I may go out, I go get my yayas, and then I come home and it's fine. And that doesn't mean that I love my partner any less. Um, unfortunately, that partner did not understand that concept because they are very staunchly monogamous. Um, and for them, any sort of physical interaction with a man was cheating any sort of physical interaction with a man was cheating but if it was a woman it was fine again going back to delegitimizing heterosexual female relationships and fetishizing those relationships even yeah so it sounds like that previous partner had like an amalgamation of three or four mm -hmm. of the toxic traits we're discussing and this is actually part of how we came up with that list we've both been in poly relationships before some healthy some unhealthy and we've learned through experience and then through our friend group who was also some of them are also polyamorous so we're getting some of this feedback and you know nothing will teach you a good lesson like experience and you know we've all had partners that were less than fantastic and so this one sounds like a a real gem so that brings us to our next point of comparing relationships honey do you want to take this one Yes, I would love to. No, I wasn't trying to talk shit. I was just more trying to say, look, we've all had a lot of different relationships and we've learned some things. Now, when we're talking about toxic or unhealthy polyamorous traits, and we're talking about comparing relationships, for the most part, talking about existing relationships within the polycule or new relationships to the polycule. So say, twin, for instance, you have a husband and you do because it's me and then you also have a boyfriend and you also have a girlfriend so twins over there she is just showing and expressing that love um in, in the way that she sees fit so it would be unfair for her to come to me as her husband and compare our relationship and our dynamic which is very unique and distinct to that with her girlfriend or that with her boyfriend, simply because she's going to be getting ne different needs met and the dynamic will be different in each one of those relationships. So coming to me and saying, well, I need you to be more like this, you know, it, it could be perceived as an unhealthy or toxic behavior. Right. Like that's that trope of, um, you know, we, we see it all the time in like movies and, you know, stuff. And it's always kind of used as a punchline of like the whole, like, why can't you be more than your sibling kind of shit? Right. Um, I would never, I, I could not even imagine like coming into a relationship or like being in a polycule and then going from one relationship to, to the other and being like, why can't you be more like X? You know, like, why does this for me? And, you know, Z does that for me. Why can't you do this? La, 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 la. Like now that said, there like, there are healthy ways to say, hey, you know what? I've realized that I like when X, Y, Z is done, right? So can we try and incorporate that into this relationship? Cause I like that thing. And then you talk and it's, and it's a whole beautiful, wonderful moment for you guys. Right. But when you're doing it from a place of, um, attacking and tearing down somebody and going, you know, you're not X enough, that's not healthy. 
not good. And it's not going to lead you in a good direction. Which actually kind of ties into our next one as well, which is not respecting your partner's boundaries. So like Twin said, there are healthy ways to really deliver that message. Hey, here's what my expectations are. And as we grow and evolve in our relationships and with ourselves, we may find things that we would like. But especially as you're... Um, really setting up these relationships or embarking on these new relationship journeys with new partners, establishing those rules, those boundaries, and those expectations is so important. And so when you see a partner that's constantly either pressing against them or breaking them, it can be very, very toxic to the health of the relationship. Now, I do want to stress, um, we need to stress at this point, though, that this isn't just applying to new relationships. We've known people that have been married for decades. We've both, you know, like Tier mentioned before, we have been in relationships where partners have pushed and pushed or have fallen short of expectation years into the relationship. And, you know, that is one of those things that you, again, like have to kind of evaluate as time goes on, you know, like Tier mentioned, as we evolve and grow within our relationship and within ourselves, if our partners aren't willing to grow and evolve and acclimate with us, then those are conversations that need to be had. And they can often be very painful, but they are so necessary for the safety health and well-being of everyone involved. And this is something that we tell our friends all the time. You need to get more comfortable with setting those personal boundaries with others. Personal boundaries are about keeping yourself safe and making sure that you are living congruently with how you would like to live. It's not that you're demanding that your partner, you know, change to fit your rules. You're just being upfront about what's important to you and what you're unable to deal with. And it's also just as important that you respect boundaries once they're put into place. You know, if somebody is saying, hey, this is not going to work for me, we need to change this or this will be the consequence. That isn't a punishment. It's not an ultimatum. You know, that's something that's been thrown at me before is, you know, you're giving me an ultimatum because I was saying, hey, your behavior is awful and I can't live with this. This relationship will not work if these kinds of behaviors continue. That's not an ultimatum. That is a consequence. And that is something that people need to understand is these boundaries are not being put in place, you know, hopefully boundaries are not being put in place to hurt or control or manipulate somebody. They are put in place to protect, to guide, you know, like bumpers on a bowling lane. You know, it's like, this is how you score the best goal. This is, oops, sorry guys. I have my fidget rock. Um, this is how you get to where you want to go. It should not be about penning somebody in to a role that they may not fit. You know, you, you don't want to try and put the square peg in the round hole kind of deal. I hope that, I hope that made sense. Okay. So with all of that said, um, we are of course, you know, going to talk about like toxic traits within like the swinging community. Um, I know we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, uh, and we will promise get into that. Uh, today we really wanted to kind of specify and focus on polyamory. So those relationships, right? Um, so with all of that said, 
our next obvious question is how do we tear avoid unhealthy polyamory? We've spent a lot of time talking about what unhealthy polyamory is. And we'll probably spend just as much time talking about how to avoid that. But really, out of all of those examples, it boils down to four main things on how to avoid unhealthy polyamory. Communication, trust, respect, and then proper vetting. Everything we just listed prior to this could have been avoided, more than likely, with any one or multiple of these four that I just listed. And, you know, in Twin's example she just gave, communication would have been absolutely paramount in any of those situations. And it's why we harp on so much about it, not only in this world, but also in the kink world, because communication drives everything that you do. You're married now, right? Say you're in a long-term established relationship or boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, boyfriend, doesn't matter. How difficult is it to navigate that relationship from time to time, right? We, we all run into problems. Now, try navigating three at the same time. Communication and understanding, comprehension becomes a much more important part of the equation because you got more than one thing you're focusing on. So if you've ever been in a long-term relationship, you'll understand this point. Now picture being you know, in long-term relationships with multiple people. Right. And that's why it's so, so, so important to listen, you know, like Tia mentioned, it's important to listen to comprehend what your partner or partners are saying to you, not just to re rebut, not just to answer. You know, it, it's important that you really make sure that you understand what it is that they're saying. You know, one of the wonderful things that I love about our relationship, honey, is that, you know, we really do take the time when we're, you know, struggling to understand each other, which with, with how both our brains work, it can be very often. It can be multiple times a day sometimes, but we really do make sure to take the point to, to make the point to say, I'm sorry, can you repeat that for me? Or can you say that in a different way? Or and make sure I'm understanding this correctly. Like, and it's so, so simple to do y'all. It really, really is. Just take those extra 30 seconds to say, Hey, I want to make sure that I understand you correctly because I love you. That's like that understated current undercurrent, right? Is because I love you. I want to make sure that I understand you correctly. Is this what you said? Or can you clarify what you said? Because I care about you and I need to know this for both of us. And I think going into those conversations with positive intentions, right? Going into it, not because you want to argue or you want to fight, but knowing that you want to better understand where your partner is coming from is, is so it, it makes the key difference to me on how I approach those conversations that we have. Right. And it's very easy for us to say this now on this side of it. Right. But y'all, this takes practice. <laughs> it takes a lot of practice. You know, Tier and I are both in our thirties and we only just recently got good at doing all of this, um, you know, in the last few years for both of us. Uh, so don't be discouraged if you're not good at it right away. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of patience and it takes having a partner that is willing to reiterate. It takes having somebody there for you that cares enough to take the time 
with you. 100% agree. Because with that proper understanding and communication, you establish trust. You establish respect, which are paramount in polyamorous relationships. And, you know, before we, and I know we've gone on a little bit today, so we're going to be wrapping it up here soon. But before we kind of leave the one point vetting, now I love talking about vetting from the BDSM and kink perspective, but talking about it in the polyamorous um, community is different. So I kind of want to talk about how we vet someone within the poly community. So kicking it off, like when Twin and I first started talking to each other, one of the first things we said is, okay, what type of polyamory do you practice? What is your view on polyamory? What, what does it mean to you? And why are you polyamorous? And one thing we discovered very quickly is we were compatible in the way that we each viewed love and polyamory specifically. And, you know, that led right into, okay, excellent. How recently did you get tested? What are your STI test results? Like you go into some of these vetting questions. And so for me, that was some of like the baseline of how we started talking about, you know, polyamory. And then the next was, you know, do you want to know about other partners? Do you want to know about girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever? What level of communication do you need? Because for me, if she would have said, I don't want to know anything about any of your other partners, that wouldn't have been a red flag for me, but it would have told me that she and I were not compatible in the type of polyamory we practice. Exactly. It is so important um, as you're getting into poly relationships or as, you know, as we've mentioned before, as relationships involve, it is so important that you constantly reevaluate, that you constantly navigate and communicate what it means to you to be poly. You know, vetting is not necessarily something that you only do at the beginning. It can be something that you do periodically throughout the relationship. You know, we constantly check in here and I constantly check in with each other, you know, from, I mean, we had several different conversations since the beginning of our relationship um, because very early on, you know, when we first started talking, uh, full disclosure here, we had an incident where I was still kind of fooling around with my play, my play partner that I've mentioned before. And, you know, he and I, there were some shenanigans. And even though Tyr and I were only just kind of starting to talk and I didn't owe him any sort of explanation or permit, need, need any kind of permission, not that I do now, um, anything like that, I felt so guilty because I was, and I realized this later, kind of self-sabotaging a little bit, which goes back to the trauma baby thing. And, you know, when Tyr and I had that conversation of, you know, hey, I need to be honest with you, this happened and I need to know how you feel about it because I'm here at this point in our relationship and I need to know where you're at in this and where we want to be. And it was a really hard and scary conversation to have but it was one that really I think was kind of a crux for our relationship in helping it evolve and become what it is and become you know the kind of loving and trusting relationship that we have now contractual all moment I'm fairly certain that was the conversation where we realized how much we actually cared about each other like we actually acknowledged how deeply we felt about each other so early on. 
10 days in, we both knew, we compared notes afterwards, right after we got engaged. We both fell in love within 10 days of meeting each other. Now, we didn't say that to each other, obviously. We danced around that for a little bit. Uh, it took us a couple more days to like feel comfortable because I know for me, and I can't speak for you, I was just like, why do I feel this strongly this soon? I can't say that to her. She'll run away freaked out. Yeah, and this conversation, we're talking about this hard one. I think this was like day three or something like that. <laughs> Like it was really, really early on. So there's your, there's the Twitter live aww moment for you guys. So this has been a wonderful episode. We will continue to do more episodes on polyamory uh, in the next one that we do on polyamory. I'm not sure if it'll actually be the next sequentially or if we'll have one or two in there. We're going to talk about how we personally practice polyamory. We've told you what polyamory is. We spent this episode talking about what toxic polyamory is and how to avoid it. Um, and again, how to avoid it, communication, trust, respect, and proper vetting. But before we take off, I want to give you a couple of book recommendations. Twin and I are fantastic book nerds. We love reading. It's actually how we first met. So if you listen to the first episode, you already know. But there are some really great books on the subject of polyamory. So if you are interested in polyamory, just learning more about it, becoming uh, polyamorous yourself, or if you're already polyamorous and you just like some extra reading, uh, go check out Polysecure Attachment, Trauma, and Consensual Non-Monogamy by Jessica Fern or the Polyamory Breakup Book by Kathy Labriola. Both excellent, excellent books. Yeah. And on that note, you guys, y'all, everybody's, uh, <laughs> I love your little dance, honey. You're so cute. I'm adorable. You are adorable. Yes. So on that note, you guys, um, remember to give yourself grace, love, patience, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. Make sure to drink your water, eat your food, take your bean beans. And as always, Go out and do some dope shit. Bye.